0: Hello, and welcome to the Peluso Presents podcast. My name is Mike Peluso. I am your host, and this is a special edition of the show, episode number 139, if I don't miss my guess. And today, we have a... Today's show is doesn't have a post of the week. It's just a conversational chaos show. It's mostly just kind of a deep dive on the one of the more strange careers that you could think of if you are just in high school if you're in college if you're mid career and you're not too happy where you're going if let's say you're in manufacturing or you're in uh say something else and you're going hey I'm not too happy well there's this need out there for state jobs that are kind of dynamic and it's all with the DPS Department of Public Safety basically the folks who run the jails and the folks who are police and the, there's a they got a bunch of different divisions you listen to the show so I have a special guest, her name is Kim Shaw on the show today, and Kim talks, she's a recruiter for that, and she's going to talk about everything that's kind of involved in that world of jobs with the state in security, and public security, public safety, excuse me. So here it is, conversational chaos, Kim Shaw and me talking, and thank you very much for listening to the show, and let's get going. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Peluso, and we have a very special show for you today, a very special conversation. And with me, I have, would you please tell everybody what your name is and what you do?
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Kim Lewis-Shaw. I am the South Central Regional uh, Recruiter for the North Carolina Department of Public Safety.
0: Okay, so there's a couple things we have to unpack right there with your very first intro. So what is a recruiter a North Central. What is North Central? What is recruiter? And explain the Department of Public Safety. So let's go with North. Uh, let's go with what is a recruiter?
1: Okay, so a recruiter is a person who actually goes out, uh, meets with applicants uh, to determine their best interest for the particular organization. So my organization that I cover is for the North Carolina Department of Public Safety. Uh, and we serve and protect the state of North Carolina.
0: So what is a part of the Department of Public Safety. What do you do in the Department of Public Safety? What does the Department of Public Safety do? Do you, so are you the guys who sit there at crosswalks and, and and wave cars? Are you the people with the big guns that look really scary when we get off the cruise ships? What do you do?
1: good question so we have several divisions we uh are the ones who are working with governor cooper with the emergency management because of maybe COVID 19 any type of disasters that might be going on emergency management is that particular division that works very well and helping us restore um us back to normalcy the other categories um range from juvenile justice working with um offenders, at-risk youth who may be in, um, been charged with certain crimes. Um, we have adult corrections, which is, that's what we're primarily known for, working in our prison systems, um, having correction officers man those units and facilities, making sure that they um, do not escape and maintaining safety and control there. So um,
0: you're the folks who operate the incarcerated, the jails. That's right. Okay. And, and so we've got you help the governor. You're like a, a, you're like the the guys in red in the Star Wars films around the Emperor. So you help the governor whatever the governor needs. Yeah. You're like his special guard. Um, you are the people who man the jails. And what was the other thing you said? Oh, you said working with youth. What does that mean? Like when you're working with youth, do you sit at a desk and and just make finger pyramids and say why did you do that or did you or do you? I don't know. Do you actually go out there to their home, sit down with them, sort of like a case manager from uh, social services? What do you do with youth? What do your people do?
1: So juvenile justice has an arraignment of occupations um, that we assist. So even if they are in our detention centers, they actually have correction officers as well as uh, youth counselor technicians. They are the ones who are actually working with their plans on their behavior, um, maybe their emotional um, issues and things like that. Um, We have behavioral specialist so um, those people also you know deter how they are thinking and how they can you know work with them um, to you know look at it think from a different positive way um Juvenile court counselors. There's the ones. Who, they are the ones who actually go into the court system, um, advocate for that particular um, at-risk youth or offender, um, telling them the judge and communicating that information with everybody.
0: So, are they lawyers? Actually, licensed lawyers?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. They're not licensed lawyers they could be if they choose to if they have that particular credential um, or expertise however they're the ones who um, primarily work with the juvenile they're like their um, main person that they can talk to Um, it's just a lot that actually goes under that particular uh, juvenile justice division Um, and so there's actually one here in Chatham County we have a residential treatment center here in Chatham County
0: is that the residential treatment are you talking about the place in Siler City the what I refer to as the like the world's greatest high school I, I actually okay everybody let me let me just give you this story I toured it it was the most amazing place in the world if you're a parent so it's a high school and it's a jail at the same time boys are on one side in a whole block and they're all locked off with steel doors and the girls are on the other side they're locked off in steel doors and they all live there because it's you know juvenile detention and they don't they don't escape and there's like little blocks where they're all blocked together they're all monitored 24 7 everybody can see what they're doing and they can't escape. And they they get to do normal stuff like they got i remember uh, learning that they had like proms i remember learning that they have regular classes i remember learning but it was the the environment was so unbelievably controlled that all i could think to myself going through there was i mean the first thought was like that natural human thought which is oh these kids are so young why are they in here the second thought was oh god i wish i could put my kid in here <laughs> because <laughs> It's, it was, it's so hard when you got that, and I've got a wild child, and it's so hard to manage them and keep your eye on them, and it was a perfect, perfect, perfect environment for keeping them monitored, and I loved it. Uh, and it was really, I mean, it, there was, let's going back to what Kim's talking about here, I gotta say that my experience, very clearly, the people who worked there had this big heart for those kids, they were engaging the kids, they were definitely trying to help the kids through this really structured program. What, okay I've got to ask why what would get a kid in there I mean because you would think that the judge would just say okay don't smack them on the wrist if they do something wrong like break into somebody else's house or something and say you yeah, community service and go live with your parents I would at least I would think that I don't know if that's the case are we that hard on our kids where we say okay you just broke into somebody's house or you just did this maybe you sold some pot to your friends or what have you now you got to get incarcerated right away like do we have the zero tolerance? with that what would get a kid in there
1: typically a resident a residential treatment center is exactly what it is um they're there um that services the residents residence for that particular time but they're also receiving treatment it could be for substance abuse it could be for any type of domestic violence abuse any 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 of those things would probably um lend that particular person there they may have some type of drug issue so they're working with the counselors there to kind of keep them on the straight and narrow, um, working with them, serving up their treatment plan. Similar like WIOA, um, working with them, trying to find the different strategies that's going to get the end result for them to not reoffend.
0: Okay, I'm going to, just for everybody here who's did not catch that last little bit, WIOA, uh, which, you, which Kim's referring to as a program we used to work together on called Work Opportunity Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act is a federal program where, if like you get a job and your job uh, goes away, like furniture industry in North Carolina, then this program kind of manages the federal funds to help get you retrained. But we're we're on DPS today.
1: DPS, yes, that's Depart- where it's
0: at. Department of Public Safety. So, it give me an. You said nor- What was the term that you were on? What was the the area that you're covering?
1: I cover 10 counties.
0: Oi! So do you, can you, all right, it's like the seven dwarfs. Can you name all 10 off the top of your head? Let's see if she can do it, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Ensign County, Cumberland County, Moore County, Harnett County, Scotland County, Richmond County. Uh, I have, oh my gosh, Hope County. Um, I do Johnston County. I do Montgomery County. And last but not least, Lee County.
0: Wow, you did it. You did it. Yay. Okay, and just so you know that I have my memory chops in in sync, sleepy, sneezy, dopey doc, bashful, grumpy, and happy. <laughs> so. All right, so you've got your 10 counties, so does that mean you're living on the road and you're talking to people in those counties about the jobs that are available?
1: I am. I'm always commuting, but because we have this terrible C word with the, what is it? Children? No. <laughs> COVID-19. COVID-19 has taken me into a virtual world but typically I do travel Monday through Friday sometimes even on the weekends when you have certain festivals and um, things that's going on in community where we have to do community outreach and get um, the public's you know interest in telling them what opportunities lie with our de- um, department. So Yeah. Always on the road. Um, My typical day starts at eight o'clock. I'm on the road. I pick up my vehicle, um, go to an NC Works Career Center. I could go to a college or university in those counties that I serve. Um, On the telephone, talking to folks about um, their application status. I'm working with them on trying to find them the best fit based on their knowledge, skills, and abilities. So, yeah, I do a lot.
0: Okay. Then let me, that's a lot of counties and earlier, you kind of alluded to the fact that you have a crap ton of jobs, or, or at least not that a crap ton of jobs. You had kind of a broad scope, a very broad scope of the everything that DPS does, which is not simple. So, I mean, I already picked up that you probably have to hire counselors. Yes. You probably have to hire guards.
1: Correction. Correction. Correctional officers. Don't you dare call them guards.
0: Well, Okay, why Would Is that you like just... ship and boat? Like exactly, <laughs> okay. exactly. Okay, this is professional. Okay, correctional officers, and um, I need a correctional officer around here for my five and ten year old.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I need one for my uh, for my sixteen year old. So. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, that's sorry. another topic, though.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> a, we, we should do a show on parenting because parenting can be like super stressful. Yes. Uh, and, uh, but now, okay, if in a correctional facility. And I'm I'm just kind of riffing here. If in a correctional facility they're taking care of all of the needs of the individuals in that facility, that means it's like a mini city, right? So you need book butchers, bakers, candlestick makers. You need like your healthcare providers. You need your cooks. You need your um, accountants. You need your. You basically need everything, right?
1: We need everything under the sun. Um, as you stated, we need correction officers. We need um, case managers. Um, we need maintenance skills trades. I say that again, maintenance and skills trades.
0: You and the rest of the universe. I've been reading articles. I'm, you know what my regular day job is when I'm not doing this. Yes. And so you know that I hear maintenance and skills trade from pretty much if you're breathing and you're associated with any kind of organization that does any kind of thing, you need maintenance and skills trade. Of course. They're my
1: best friends. <laughs> Whenever the heat or air conditioner goes out, they are my best friends. Okay. Right.
0: Um, so... Uh, so you need maintenance skills, trades, you need health care, you need correctional officers, you need uh,
1: program oh. program managers, correctional program managers. Um, I need um, correctional food service officers, as you say, that we have to feed uh, inmates, and they're um, the ones who actually supervise inmates in the kitchen. So that particular individual does not cook, they just supervise. So offenders, inmates, however you want to, you know, call them, um, they're the ones who actually are doing those tasks feeding the rest of the unit. So um, it's it's a lot, we need correctional health care, um, registered nurses, licensed, profe- uh, licensed uh, practical nurses, uh, CNA twos, uh, we need dentist assistants, dentists, physicians, you name it, we need it.
0: Okay, so that now part of that I could see why you would have such a strong need because the state of North Carolina, and pretty much I would say almost every state in the union, it's probably every state in the union, generally doesn't pay as well as the private sector. Is that correct?
1: We, I can honestly say we have some competitive salaries. I can definitely say that.
0: Okay, good, 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 good. So why aren't I working there?
1: Uh, well... <laughs> Go to www.oshr.nc.gov forward slash jobs, Mike.
0: Okay. That was not, I wasn't fishing for a plug there. So kudos to you for picking up. <laughs> <laughs> you totally, you totally grabbed that one and ran with it. I know it. <laughs> so, okay. So what we're, so what you're looking at here mm-hmm. is you're looking at a lot of things. There's, obviously you apply online. Uh, and you do have competitive salaries, probably because you've been beat up for not getting enough people. And we've had up until the the pandemic, which I think when this pandemic first started, I thought that it was just going to be like a little blip. But I think because it was, and I guess economically, it may still be just a blip on the, you know, if you look at a hundred year time frame, sure. it'll be like a little quick dip. But I think from the perspective of people's life experience, this is going to go down like the Great Recession and like 9-11, where it's going to be an inflection point that everybody in the country can relate to. Where were you? Where were you stuck during the pandemic? What was your life like during the pandemic? Exactly. So, and that will change. This may be a moment where if if you were an individual, as we... I, you know, podcasts have forever, forever lifetime. So we could potentially this thing could be listened to ten years from now. It could be listened to fifty years from now. But if you if it's if you're listening to it shortly after we record, and we're recording right here, late spring, early summer, 2020. Then, in theory, this is a good time because if you were furloughed, if you were if you lost your job, if what have you, then this is a great opportunity because you're you're hiring. You can't stop serving your that's population correct. your population you can't like just open the door and say everybody out that, that's right that, that's just not how this works yes so they're gonna they're gonna pay the the correctional group teams what have you um tell me now i'm have had I, i've been thankful in that i work in my day job for a state agency i work for a community college that's in a federal grant program the Thinking about that and thinking about the benefits that I receive, I'm constantly trying to tell people, yes, I make half of what you make. Now, that's why my question went in earlier, like, are the salaries competitive? But you have to look at the total package. And when you look at, in in particular, it's not just the, uh, the equity growth within stuff like, you know, you're getting more time off every year as the years go by. But in my case, I think the thing that really means a lot is that defined benefit state retirement plan.
1: Yes, we have the same retirement plan that you're talking about. Um, All state government pretty much has the same uh, 6% of your check going towards your retirement.
0: Uh, Okay, now, folks, let me explain. I'm going to, sorry, got to take off my podcaster hat, take off my workforce development hat, throw on my economic advisor hat. I got a lot of hats. I got tons of hats. Uh, Thankfully, they're all virtual because I look bad when I'm wearing a hat. (laughs) I do have a fishing hat I wear when I'm at the beach, but uh, so going on to just for those of you who are like who are maybe mo- who have spent your whole life in the private sector and think of retirement as a 401k. If you look around and you you just to put in type in retirement crisis, you'll see a million articles because the 401k is kind of this big. If you look at it historically in American history, it's a, this big experiment that for the most part failed. It, it's an abject failure. That's not a comment on, it's not a political statement, it's an economic statement, it's a dollars and cents statement. If you look at what we used to have, defined benefit, meaning we're going to define that benefit, you are going to make X percent of your pay with the day you retire based upon this plan that you're in. That's a pension plan. It's what the whole country used to run on. Then, I want to say this was in the Reagan era, they they changed it so that under section 401k of the federal tax laws, we were allowed to defer compensation tax-free, and that turned into retirement plans, modern, and of course, it's a lot cheaper to put a couple of pennies into a retirement plan if you're an employer than it is to put lots of dollars into a retirement plan if you're an employer, because one of them is defined contribution. We're the employer. We're going to put give you you know, 2%, or we're going to give you 3%, versus we're the employer. We're on the hook for this promise we made you. And we got to do whatever we got to put whatever we need to into this kitty to make sure that we meet that promise. That's mm-hmm. what a pension was. The state, I think, is one of it's probably the last organization I know of that has an actual pension plan, which are, of course, light years better than any 401k you can have. The state, even FYI, also has a 401k plan if you're a super saver, which I put a couple hundred bucks in, a hundred bucks in a month, I think. You know, I'm, I'm still putting that money in. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens, what Kim was doing is, you didn't see it because this is an audio podcast she raised. Uh, an inside joke between us is uh, our savings accounts are like blood pressure cuffs. Yes. Like you pump them up and they get big and then something happens like your car breaks down and then it's like... the the blood pressure cuff like it all just goes away because <laughs> you're like crap let's start that all over again bum, 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 bum. <laughs> and um but that's life and you know sometimes that happens with the 401k but once the money is in your pension and you don't touch it till retirement and when you got it it's solid because
1: it is it is when i first started um i looked at my paycheck stub and i'm like what is this t-s-e-r yeah. some type of abbreviation and i'm like i want I want my two, $300 back. And it was like, nope, um, that's your retirement. Um, you can't get it until you reach retirement. I was like, well, I need that money now. Like it's my money and I want it now. But in the long run, I look at it as, you know, job security is security for that cushion that I'm going to need upon me retiring. Um, don't know if it's going to be 65 or 72 years of age for me. I don't know. I'm 40. So I still got a lot of years in the workforce. Pray for me, y'all. Pray for
0: me. I'm a lot closer to retirement than 40, which is probably why I have defined benefit tattooed on my forehead. (laughs) But I
1: believe, um, you know, speaking of your retirement, um, we do have a very good plan. Six percent, the employer, the employee is contributing that out of the paycheck. And then you're looking at about anywhere between like 10 point, maybe 11 percent that the employer is uh, contributing. So that's a pretty good percentage based off your four highest years that you've been paid
0: now let me now i want to ask you a question that literally dovetails exactly what you just said sure this is like the greatest thing in the universe but it's been an entire generation now 40 years that we've been on the crap 401k plans that means and i've found personally in my conversations people don't comprehend what a pension plan is what a defined benefit plan is because nobody around even their parents don't have them anymore mm-hmm. so my question to you is when you're out there and you're recruiting let's say you're talking to a doctor or you're talking to a police officer uh not an officer a um, yes, correction police oh you
1: officers? do yes state capital police
0: okay so the state you're talking to state, state Cap-
1: highway patrol
0: okay you got that too so you you recru- got it all so you're recruiting for these we folks got it all. and you're recruiting from the private sector do they understand that benefit the magnitude of that benefit
1: In my presentation, in my recruiting efforts, I do put that major emphasis on the retirement um, system that we have. Um, Nowadays, people are looking for job security and they're looking for that security financially as well for the long run. Um, So that has been my spiel each time that I do a virtual job fair, each time that I talk about them face-to-face whenever we do return to that particular uh, recruiting effort. and so I can definitely say they really appreciate it. When I, whenever I talk to maybe our healthcare staff, you know, I tell them, you know, the long term, you know, you may not have to work those hours that you work in a regular hospital. It could be eight, 10, 12 hours. But they also are sold on the benefit package and the fourteen days paid vacation, um, the sick time un- with unroll over use it, use hours. So it's great. It it really well. Is.
0: Let's stop for a second. That's another thing that I don't think your typical private sector employer or com- or employee comprehends because it's it's kind of alien to them. Yeah. This idea of rollover of your time. Explain what rollover means. Like what ha- I've I have worked hard and I get two or three weeks vacation I've earned, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and I only take two weeks because my, you know the schedules just don't align in my case it's me and my wife it's a classic example she may have a certain number of days a little bit less than me i may have a certain number of days but then something happens and we have to be here so we can't go away and at the end of the and maybe i have five days i didn't use that i had as free time or as, as pto per sure. paid time off in a private system like my wife's system she works for a company it's use or lose it at the end like the day that year, the next year starts, those five days are gone. What happens to those days in the, the public system? With D, okay, I'm working for DPS. I look awesome in a uniform. <laughs> what, <laughs> what happens?
1: So each month, say for instance, um, you're, you've been working for about five years with DPS or a new person that's coming in. Um, there's a set number of hours that you are actually accumulating each month. Um, Typically, it's about eight hours that you accumulate that is contributed to your sick time. So each month that you're accumulating that and you do not have to take any sick time throughout the year, then it actually goes into what we call, quote unquote, the sick bucket leave. Okay.
0: And that's not the type of sick bucket you give your kid when they got sick and you're like, Here, keep this by the bed if you get sick. (laughs) This is a different kind of sick bucket. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So that time is never lost. It constantly accumulates. So it is unused, as you know, I said previously. So as long as it's unused, it's constantly there for you to use it whenever you need to. Now that could be for you, it could be for anyone in your immediate family that you can use that sick time towards.
0: Okay. And that's great. I didn't even think about that. That's right. There is the family thing. So if you're a caretaker for somebody, you can use it. That's right. Oh, that's cool. And then that's actually uh, a friend of mine who works uh, where I work, uh, or I'll say an acquaintance. I know that their uh, spouse had bad cancer. Mm -hmm. And they did take a bunch of time off now that I think about it. So good for them. I'm sure they were using their sick time to... I, I donated a little bit myself just because... Yes. You could... When something like that happens, you take months and months and months to care for somebody I know that especially when the cancers are bad
1: (laughs) and good thing you mentioned you know certain diseases like cancer Um, we have um, great medical vision and dental insurance that is an option for our employees it could be with MetLife it could be with North Carolina Flex we have other options such as um, the cancer benefit um, through um, um, various companies. Um, and so whenever, you know, for me as being a female, you know, I go to my OBGYN, I have a uh, colonial, that's the name of it. Colonial. They actually pay me, you know, whatever X amount for me to get that wellness check for whatever, you know, health screenings for cancer screening. So that is the good part about some of these benefits that the, uh, DPS actually offers.
0: So you got great health. Yes. We have amazing retirement. Great. Probably the, like, I'm telling you folks. The best. There is, there's no comparison on the The retirement thing. It's no, none, zero, nada. It's just, it's night and day. And it's hard to wrap your head around. One thing that I always tell people is if I'm making a dollar at my job, it's $2 versus private sector. Because that's, if you do the math, and I I won't nerd out here, but I've done the math on a spreadsheet because that's the kind of person I am. You got to calculate not only what, what you're putting into it and what the state is putting into it. You have to calculate what you need to put in to get that same exact return if you're a private sector and you're just putting into a 401k. Yep. And that's usually three to four times what most companies are doing. So you're putting in, it's it's just ridiculous. But ultimately, it's a good 25% on whatever your salary is, 25 to 30% that you would have to add in additional just to get the same retirement benefit. It's that big of a deal. And you still have a risk element to it and because risk is calculable. I was actually just listening to a podcast uh, by Planet Money, and it was all about how do you calculate the value of a human being for the court system. So if a company, because a lot of people are dying while they're working for this, uh, and while they're responding or working for companies during this COVID thing, and they're at work, which puts them at risk, and when they're at risk, then and they catch it and they die, well, then the company's liable. And if the company's liable, how is the court system valuing that? And it was a kind of a cool, cool thought piece because the government that is one of those weird things the government has to do they got to figure that out yeah and uh ultimately there's a value that so everything what i'm saying i guess there is everything has a value to it and you have to do the calculations and if you do the calculations properly wow it's this is a huge difference so talk to me about quality of life i would assume quality of life when you're on the job for dps like actual when you're on the job probably varies based because there's so many different types of jobs which which are highest need job let's go to that one
1: highest need right now is probably correctional health care as well as correctional officers and then third in line would be probation and parole officers
0: all right so let's start with correctional health care and then remind me if I forget the other two sure correctional health care how is correctional health care different when you're in a corrections facility versus when you are doing correctional health care at the local—I uh, don't know what do they call—not the quick stops, but the uh, the fast med places. You know what I'm? You're urgent know care. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. So, hey, I got my CNA, I got my uh, RN, I got my my physician's assistant, whatever it is, I got. Mm-hmm. And I can go to urgent care, I can go to DPS. Urgent care, I know I'm stuck in a building for eight, 10 hours a day. I think that's all healthcare for the most part. And I am see people just coming off the streets and I'm, you know, patting them on the cheek, patting them on, you know, say, turning their head and cough and, and giving them some a med script and, and sending them away as quick as I can. What is it like when you're with DPS?
1: So with DPS, our health care, correctional health care staff, they are working with the incarcerated population. So those who are behind bars, they're not going anywhere, they're serving their time. Um, they actually are working with them, whether it's um, medical services, dental services, it could be emergency room services, each facility kind of varies. So a lot of the services that we provide are at Central Prison, which is the biggest prison in the state. Um, that's where um, a lot of our, you know, high profile folks actually go CP, um, and that is located in Wake County.
0: Well, um, well you used an acronym there. What is CP?
1: Central prison.
0: Oh, just CP. <laughs> all right. When you said they go CP, I thought you meant something along the lines of, I was thinking some, some kind of medical target. No. Okay. So they go to CP.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, um, we have about 70 something facilities in the state. Um, that's.
0: So why do they all go to CP.
1: They don't all go to CP, but most of our services, medical services like our um, dental and. So if um, I get
0: sick here and say I'm incarcerated in Sampson County, they've got a a, uh, they've got an incarceration facility there, right? Yes. All right. So I go from Sampson County and I need dental work.
1: You may have to be um, transported by one of our correction officers to another facility that offers that particular service because um, that's where our healthcare staff is located. So
0: the healthcare staff stays stagnant and the location of the incarcerated is dynamic. So the healthcare staff don't spend half their life on the road?
1: Sometimes it, it varies. Um, I actually work, um, in the same office with one of our lead nurses or charge nurses, nurses, and they are constantly on the road going from different facilities, um, checking, you know, their, their uh, subordinates.
0: So if I, okay, I can tell you that I'm, my personality is not one to sit in an office 24 seven. I personally like getting in the car and going Yes. So, and then seeing people and being in new experience, new environments and helping people out. That's just my kind of thing that makes me comfortable. I know that there's a lot of people who like staying in an office. So, my question to you is if I'm considering a job and let's say I'm working at Urgent Care, I'm working at a Walgreens or something, I'm not so happy with it because I feel like I'm seeing the same people every day. I'm seeing the same staticky, you know, everything is just like... I'm tired of this and I want something new and I want to be get out a little bit more. Can I come to you and say, hey madam recruiter, do you have an opening that's going to keep me on the road a little bit or keep me in seeing different people that in different facilities? would you are you able to do that or is that one of those things they have to work into?
1: Well, we do take those who have the most qualified. We're a um, merit-based hiring employer, so we are um, hiring the most qualified um, folks for those positions. However, I will expedite them to those particular jobs where they may have to be considered, quote-unquote, a travel RN. Um, So we do have those positions available.
0: So you have a way to goose them into that position if possible. You You can work with the candidates is what I'm asking.
1: All the time. I try my best to work with each candidate based on their knowledge skills, and abilities, um, and what their expertise are.
0: Okay. All right. All right. That's great. So the next one on the list was correctional officers, right?
1: COs. Correctional COs. officers. Correctional officers. Say
0: officer. it with me. COs. COs. Yeah. Not CPs.
1: Not C.P. That's a building. That's the building.
0: <laughs> okay. COs. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, correctional officers. Uh, and the abbreviation is? CO.
0: <laughs> All right, so on the, on the COS, <laughs> what, uh, what do you? What's the requirement? What do you need, like to get the job?
1: So very entry level. Um, we have they must be a U.S. citizen. Okay. Must be at least twenty years of age. Got it. Have a high school diploma or GED.
0: Got it. or HISAT? Yes. Okay, so HiSat, for the, for those of you, GED is a generic term, but there's actually two or three high school equivalencies out there. High Sat's one of them.
1: That is correct.
0: So so you have to have the equivalency. So I get yeah. in. I get in and... But,
1: that, but that's not all. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to um, uh, submit to a criminal background check. Um, so...
0: If they have anything on their background, like no no felonies allowed, right? No
1: felonies. No felonies. No felonies allowed.
0: Misdemeanors. If you were, let's say you're a fifteen year old and you were schmucky and you did something stupid, but then you kinda wised up, you went back to school, you got your head together. That the, the look on your face is telling me nope, nope, nope.
1: I cannot say that. Um what I will say is the criminal background is very extensive.
0: Okay. They do
1: dig. They do dig. And anything that may come up, whether it may be some type of pending charges that you have, any type of court things that you have not taken care of and haven't, you know.
0: Speeding tickets?
1: Speeding tickets. Well, I got a couple. But that okay. that didn't prevent me. But anything that's not. Um,
0: you just got a couple. I know how you drive. I
1: do have a <laughs> lead
0: foot. <laughs> so-
1: yeah yeah. in my previous You know times uh, I, I could have probably Been a race car driver But we're not Going to go there
0: Okay <laughs> Yeah because we Couldn't catch up to you Yeah <laughs>
1: um, But at any rate The criminal background check They will check that At, at one of our Regional employment offices um, And they will You know go through Everything to make sure That you're You're fine You're okay The criminal background check Is you know not Flawed of any kind
0: Okay so criminal background check, but all you really need is from an education perspective is you need that high school or high school equivalency, the diploma or the equivalency.
1: That is correct. And also the biggest thing with correction officers, because they are responsible for possibly transporting uh, offenders, then they also have to have a valid driver's license.
0: Okay. That, the, these are not what I would consider to be very high level, a 20 years old, driver's license, probably good attitude you didn't say that but i'm assuming that's got to be there
1: of course but that's not one of the criterias um, of that particular job of course a great attitude will always get you you know it would it would make you a good candidate
0: all right so let me so i go in there how long is my training
1: four weeks
0: so the good training good training and then after four weeks What if I've been on the job a year and I want to better myself within the job? I want basically I say, hey, I can do this. This is a career path for me. It's not a one and done what is the next step if i'm a corrections a co
1: a co so with being a co correction officer um there are levels there's levels to there's levels to this okay
0: can i do my shrek impersonation it's like it's it's like an onion there are, there's layers there's <laughs> layers okay there's, you got to peel them back so <laughs> <laughs>
1: let me let me tell the people what, what we have. The okay. their, the advanced level of um, promotions or um you know getting above um you know trying something different. So the lower level of correctionals would be just the regular correction officer. Mm-hmm. Now we do have three levels of correction officers. Correction officer one, you are working at a minimum custody facility. Mm-hmm. Correction Officer 2 is working at a medium custody facility. Um, like my husband, he's a correction officer. Um, he's been with um, the State uh, Department of Public Safety for 14 years.
0: I want to see his retirement statement. I do too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he is, like I said, he's a correctional officer two working at a medium custody facility. And then we also have correctional officer three, which is working at a closed custody facility. So depending on where you your entry point is, your entry level and the custody level, you can go up the chain of uh, command, as we say, um, to correctional sergeant, correctional lieutenant. Correctional captain, so forth. Even if you want to be the warden, if you really want to be the warden. Now, so, do you have
0: to? Is there do is there educational requirements as you get up there, or are they saying, "Hey, you're learning what you need to learn as you're in there, and we're training you"? Because I mean, I would think that it's highly specialized what you do if you're corrections officer. It's not like I can go to the local community college and get a, a associate's or a bachelor's in correctional officer.
1: We offer pretty much on the job training because we go we send our correction officers to that four weeks training Um, once they get that four weeks training then they are considered certified correctional officers
0: so do they go up but let's say i want to get to co3 Yeah, is there additional training
1: no so everyone receives the same training so that is the blanket of co1 two or three
0: what about lieutenant
1: Now, with Lieutenant, it comes with not only the educational, um, not only the experience, but it also comes with um, perhaps the same education, but more so on the experience. Let me say that. So they would have to be in a supervisory position maybe two or three years.
0: Okay. So they, but it's what you're, what I'm asking really is, does somebody have to stop what they're doing? Go off to college for four years, get a criminal justice degree to come back and be a lieutenant or be a captain. No. Okay, great. That means there's a great career path without having that, that That's going correct. to spend four years of your life in $60,000 in debt.
1: That is correct. That is correct. Um, like I said, most of our um, positions for correction officers as the minimum requirements that we stated earlier, 20 years of age, U.S. citizen, driver's license, um, criminal background check. And then.
0: And then just go for and, it.
1: In the high school diploma or GED equivalency
0: you know it'd be cool I don't well, know if you could pull this off and this is not for this show but uh, in the future if we can get somebody who's like a warden or a captain come on over and then they'll sit down with us and talk about their career path within who started it at, at a CO1 that'd be kind of cool because you gotta It's have awesome
1: them. it's awesome I've actually talked to a few people who have went through that same channel and it's unbelievable of how they, you know, went through those channels and their wardens. The good thing about um, a couple of my facilities, the wardens are females, so I absolutely love that.
0: Well, I, I work for like eight women, so I, I say yes, ma'am, to all of them. So I know what that's like. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I will. I, I that would be cool. That would be absolutely cool to have that kind of conversation where we're sitting there and we're, we're talking to them. So if you can ever arrange that, that'd be that'd be fun to I do. I can work
1: on that for you.
0: So, um. All right. So that was number uh, So we, we did the COs and COs are just a great career path for somebody who doesn't necessarily want to be 80 grand indebted with a four year degree.
1: And not only that, you know, we really, really loved when veterans apply to these positions because a lot of times they have those transferable skills. They have that structure, that leadership skills that we're looking for. So keep in mind, veterans who are listening, please apply. Um, we are looking for those characteristics that you
0: all have. Okay. And so that's one of those two. All right. The third one. Let me see if I can remember. The the first one was healthcare was your highest need. Your second highest need was CO. Yes. And your third highest need was the was it the state guard, the the. Don't you dare call them guards. Not the state. It wasn't state correctional officers. It was like probation. Probation off parole. 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 Parole.
1: Probation. Parole officers.
0: So is that mostly a desk job? No. All right, well, hold on. Let me, I'm going to stop for a second. Wait, we're going to stop at is that a desk job question. I do want to back up and I want to make one more comment on the wardens. For the few folks that I've met, the captains, the wardens, the guys who, and gals who come up through that system, it's really interesting because of all the senior leaders I've ever met in my career across the entire economy, across the entire world, they're the ones who seem to be focused on people the most it's really interesting because when you talk to them their conversations are always about caring for the inmates this person has this pain or this problem or this issue we got to kind of help them through that they're they're hurting or they're going to react in this way and we got to try and keep them from reacting in this negative way and they it's not from a manipulative standpoint they're saying well we do this to keep them from doing this it's it's from a caring and caring perspective both for the the folks who are working there and the folks who are incarcerated and it's interesting because when you see a a, you know big high-end senior level official that you think is you know in corrections in in security in basically policing and it's amazing how big their hearts can be I just it just wanted to say that so it's there's definitely care in that world. There's care and consideration for human beings, which some industries I found that's not so much. It's the almighty dollar more than anything else.
1: In the line of work that we do for Department of Public Safety, our main focus is the safety and security for not only staff, but inmates and also the general public as a whole.
0: Right. Yeah. So let me go on to the next thing Now we were at. You were saying no when we were talking about. Parole officer. So I don't have to stay. if I wanted to be a parole officer, I don't have to sit behind a desk all day.
1: That is correct. So being a probation parole officer, um, this actually um, requires you to have at least the bachelor's degree. You have to have the bachelor's degree. It could be in criminal justice. It could be in human services. It could be in sociology, psychology or any other um, human service related study.
0: But you need to know the workings. That You have a concept of how the mind works or how people's emotions work. Exactly, the
1: behaviors, all of that good stuff. And so um, they do not sit behind a desk all day. They do have to, you know, do certain reports or assessments, things like that. But they're also out in the community, um, you know, making sure that the um, ex-offender is um, doing what they're supposed to do, Um, making sure they're securing the job, making sure that they're um, not violating any other making any other crimes or charges or anything like that so they're monitoring them so you can kind of say that they are the outside counselors Mm -hmm. to give them um the to allow that particular inmate to kind of you know work on themselves and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do so the so they won't re-offend
0: okay yeah well i think if you were to sum up the opportunity at dps Because we're coming on 45 minutes here, and this was supposed to be 20 minutes. What? Yeah. If you could sum up, how would you sum it all up?
1: DPS is a great organization to work for. Um, We have endless opportunities ranging from cooks to uh, maintenance technicians um, to automotive. Anything that you would probably think that you can get out in the private sector, you can get with us. All
0: right. And how can people get in touch with you? Personally,
1: they can email me at Kim.Shaw, that's S H A W, at N C D P S. Gov, or they can call me at nine one nine eight zero five two three five three, and I'll be more than happy to follow up with them.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, my name is Mike Paluso. You can check out the blog and the podcast, obviously. Uh, you can find me at presents. P E L U S O presents, all one word.com and uh and so i want to thank you again for coming on and thank you for
1: having me mike i appreciate it
0: not a problem and i do hope you guys have a or everybody out there has a fantastic day and if you're listening to this right after we record it then you know stay inside stay safe and we will see you soon We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Peluso Presents podcast. You can follow the Peluso Presents efforts via Twitter at Peluso Presents, on Facebook, on Medium.com, just search for Mike Peluso, on LinkedIn, and of course, on the blog located at www.pelusopresents.com. You can email us directly via peluso at outlook.com. This podcast is available on all major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play Music, or your podcast service of choice. We love and appreciate any comments and reviews you wish to leave. Please remember to support this effort by sharing and liking the postings on all your social media. If you'd like to support this effort more directly, you can via patreon.com forward slash presents. Thank you for listening, following, sharing, and for your support. We appreciate it.